1: We have a loaded show with champion coaches. That's right. It's the championship coach edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We start with... Mark Krikorian, the top man at Florida State, winning his third title with the Seminoles to go with a couple at Franklin Pierce. Then we go to Mike Noonan, his first national championship in his 12 years at Clemson, the third for Clemson as a program. Then we move to the D2 men and women. On the women's side, it's Jim Conlin winning it in his first year at Grand Valley State, where they always seem to win national championships. And then the first national championship at Cal State LA for Chris Shannon, those are our d2 national championship coaches then we push to d3 where we're joined by connecticut college's ruben burke who won it for the men and then christopher newport's jamie gunderson who won the d3 title for the women and we're not done as we talk to the naia national championship coaches Kaiser, who's won it a few times for the women, this year wins it for the men under Gavin Oldham. And then for the women, it's Will Austin winning the first national championship for Tennessee Southern. And if that's not enough, we meet another member of our 30 under 30 class, Wingate won a national championship a few years ago, helping both the men's and women's teams and also a coach with U.S. soccer at the youth level. Our 30 Under 30 member is Sam Raper. That's right, nine amazing guests. And it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job?
1: Kicking off our Championship Coaches edition of this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast with a whole lot of championship coaches, but perhaps one of the best in the business, Mark Krikorian, wins his third national title for Florida State. Remember, he also won two as the head coach at Franklin Pierce at the D2 level. We love that about Mark Krikorian. Congratulations on another national title with the
2: Seminoles, and thanks for joining us, Mark. Well, Dean, it's always a pleasure to share some time with you, and thanks for your kind words.
1: Saw people interview you. They've thrown out that word dynasty. You kind of backed off from a little bit, but you can't run from it. Every year you're either winning it or you're right there in the college cup or you're losing on penalty kicks. This time you won on penalty kicks. I mean, you're right there, Mark. You've got a great program. What is it about right now, right here, where there's so much parody that you
2: guys are always there, Mark? Well, we're certainly proud of our consistent uh, results. I mean, we've um tried to establish a culture in the team that is about hard work and uh, good mentality and uh, trying to get better every day. Uh, The kids uh, that we recruit come in as really good players and they work hard at their craft to become better and better. And, you know, I have an outstanding staff, uh, technical staff, and then all of the others, uh, strength and conditioning, medical team, academic uh, group, and so on. So for us, it's about uh, excellence and trying to do things in the proper fashion. And fortunately, uh, the results have followed. You've been at Florida State since
1: 2005. That's a long time. And every time I talk to you, you say, you know what, Dean? I don't think I'm leaving. I really like it here. What makes it so special about being in Tallahassee?
2: Well, you know, when I first got there, Dave Hart, uh, the athletic director, introduced to me this idea of comprehensive excellence. And he talked about wanting to be great at everything and that they were going to uh, uh, support us in every way that they could to uh, help us. Uh, find the best level that we could find, and uh, you know I've worked with some really good administrators over the years, and uh, uh, very supportive folks, and um, you know the hope is that uh, we we look forward into what what the future holds. When you talk about comprehensive excellence, I like what you said about also how you guys
1: like to play. I mean, Mark, I'm not being a sycophant when I say it's fun to watch your team because your team can play. You've always got great goalkeepers, but the way your defenders come forward, even your center backs come forward when you need them. There really is an understanding from every single line on your team, and you play attractive soccer.
2: Well, thank you. That's uh, certainly part of the goal. Um, I think that when we're recruiting these uh, center backs or, or converting kids into center backs, part of it is that we do want them. To have a level of comfort and we are willing to take some risk with the ball and we know that there's a consequence right we may give a, a, a ball away and it may cost us but for the players and their development and the overall vision that we have it seems to work for us florida state really is the exception to this parody
1: but right now women's college soccer i mean you see byu the team you play they were good <laughs> They played attractive soccer as well, and you did well to talk about and salute BYU in your post-game interview. But right now, I've never seen women's college soccer, and really at all levels, not just at D1, flourishing. How does that make you feel?
2: Yeah, I think it's great, right? I mean, uh, Jennifer at BYU, Michael Neal at, at, at Rutgers, Jerry, of course, at Santa Clara this year. Uh, all of us uh, in in the run around, around that uh, College Cup Final Four period. But there's a whole lot more depth of quality than just the four of us. Uh, you know, we had our hands full with Michigan before that as well. And uh, Jen Klein and her group is just doing a fantastic job and again, it would be a mistake for me to uh, kind of go through and and talk about some of the different programs because I'm sure I'd miss some that wouldn't be purposeful. But I really think that uh, these coaches are coming in and they're really doing a great job of building uh, the game and uh, they're helping their players to continue to improve. And I think we're seeing that in the NWSL. We're seeing it in our kids that uh, decide to go on and play uh, in Europe. And we're seeing it in the development of the game on national teams. So from my perspective, I think that you know, we're, we're doing a pretty good job in the player development business beyond simply winning here with Mark Recorian, the top man at Florida State, kicking off this great
1: edition of championship coaches on the United soccer coaches, Mark Krikorian up first. And it makes sense as he gets his third national title. I ask you this question every time and don't get mad at me, but the fact that you were able to spend time at Franklin Pierce College before, and then you also spent time, of course, in the original WSA, but talk about what spending time at D2 meant to you.
2: You know, I think probably more than anything, when I was at the D- Division II level, we didn't have great resources, but we had great people. My athletic director, Bruce Kirsch, couldn't have been better. The men's coach of the school, Todd Sillagy, couldn't have been better. They they brought me along. They nurtured me. They taught me. They showed me what it was to try and become a professional in the in the world of sport. But you had to do more with less. Probably so many of those lessons uh, that were learned at Franklin Pierce are, are now being used and applied now and you know for all of us as coaches if we're not uh, learning uh, along the journey we're probably making a big mistake and when I look back at uh, the Franklin Pierce experience it certainly helps set what's going on now here at Florida State. So well said. You've often talked
1: about the fact that players also help make coaches better. Jalen Howe has a chance to do something that not too many players have done a little bit more on the women's side, but uh, win back to back Mac Herman awards. Your team is bigger than Jalen Howe, but obviously she is one of your showcase players. I imagine you'll be with her in St. Louis. If she can win it again, what does that mean? If she can win back to back Mac Herman trophy awards?
2: Well, Jalen's just uh, continued to grow and develop. She came in as an outstanding player and you know her work ethic or drive her desire to become better is obvious and uh, you know for me it's really easy to work with those players that come in with the intent of trying to get better every day and uh, Jay has, embraced all of the different things that we've thrown at her, uh, leadership, leadership development, playing nice technical soccer, improving her spacing, improving her technical quality with both feet. Uh, so there's really nothing that I look at that I think that there's a big gap with with Jay. And I think that when she goes into the next level, whoever it is that drafts her, wherever it is that she ends up, I'm pretty confident they're going to be happy with her. Her mentality is right. Her work ethic is correct. And uh, you know now it's just a matter of them... Uh, giving her the information for how they want to play and how they're going to adjust Uh, the way that uh, she'll interpret the game, but uh, very good learner, smart kid, hardworking kid, and, uh, you know, obviously has been very, very important to our program. And, you know, we've had a lot of great players over the years, you know, back in the day with Tiff McCarty and Casey Short and Tony Presley and, you know, then with Dogney and Carson Pickett and, you know, so many kids that uh, went on following their career to Florida State to do great things, never mind all the other international players. Janice Kamen, now the captain of Belgium and You know, we just keep looking and seeing our kids uh, around the world thriving and doing a great job. And the hope from my perspective is that we were able to help them in some fashion so that they could go on and, and live their dream.
1: Yeah, I love your mixture all the time of great U.S. players like Jalen Howell could be a future six for the U.S. national team with incredible international talent. You made that a staple of of what you're doing there, and that's working for you, Coach.
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of great schools out there here in the U.S. that uh, are able to, you know, keep kids close to home or, or different uh, opportunities and so on. So for us, we've been very open-minded that uh, if the kid fits the profile of really wanting to be a great player, uh, wanting to really embrace the academic piece, but also be a great community member, I think that we have a place for him, and probably no better example than Gabby Carl, right? Gabby was just... She won a gold medal, won the senior class award, just named academic all-American, two-time Elite 90 award as the best uh, student in the in the College Cup. So, I think that we have uh, a lot to be proud of. A lot of kids that have uh, just done exceptional job on the field, in the classroom, and in the community. And uh, you know, there's sometimes bigger things than just winning. The winning, of course, you want, and it's important. But you know, watching these young women continue to grow in all aspects of life is uh, is fantastic. We'll close it out with this. You're always.
1: On the move, recruiting and looking for the next great player. Will your schedule allow you to be in Kansas City for this year's convention or will you be on the move, coach?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to be there or not, Dean. If I am, I'll look forward to connecting with you and sharing some time with you. But uh, right now, I'm not sure if I'll be there or not. I haven't looked that far down the road. What I can tell you is, The one place I know I'm going to be is at the beach, relaxing. Well, there you go. Ironically, I'll end with
1: this. On the 20th, I have to leave Kansas City to fly to this little place called Tallahassee to call Florida State Miami women's basketball. So if I don't see you in Kansas City, who knows? Maybe I'll see you right there in your backyard for the Seminoles women's basketball team. I know they had a tough loss against
2: Florida yesterday, but they're always really talented. Yeah, you know, Sue Samurai and I are very good friends, and i got a lot of time and respect for her and the job that she continues to do uh, here in Tallahassee, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you one place or the other, or maybe both. Congratulations
1: on your third national championship at Florida State to go with two at Franklin Pierce. For my money, Mark Recorian, one of the best coaches of women's soccer, really, of anything as well. Mark and you are the national championship head coach once again, and thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Anytime, Dean. Nice to see you. Happy holiday to you and your family. Great to visit with Mark Krikorian, Florida State. He won it on the women's side. And with this recap from Cary, North Carolina, junior forward Isaiah Reed's goal just 27 seconds into the College Cup final proved decisive as the Clemson Tigers upended number two Washington 2-0 to win the 2021 Men's Soccer National Championship. The victory marked the Tigers' third national title, joining the 1984 and 1987 teams, and the first under head coach Mike Noonan, who just wrapped up his 12th season. Several thousand Clemson fans who made the four-hour trek to Wakeman Soccer Park and Cary shouted out the final 10 seconds as the club piled upon one another, Clemson knocked off the number one, number two, and number four, number nine overall seeds on its tournament run. And with that, we welcome in the head coach of the National Championship Clemson Tigers, our good friend Mike Noonan. Mike, how's that sound? Head coach of the National Championship Clemson Tigers. Uh, It it
3: sounds great, Dean. And like I said, (laughs) we've been waiting 34 years in Clemson to be able to say that uh, since the 87 team. And I've been waiting about 35 years to to have my name associated with it. So it's a, it's a special, special feeling.
1: Yeah, and the crowd was amazing. I know Friday night was off the charts, but even Sunday, outstanding. What can you say about your incredible fans? Early
3: in the week when we got back from Oregon State, we
1: did a really, really good job. Our
3: administration and, and our social networks getting the word out, and we wanted to make
1: Carrie feel like Riggs, and I think we did that. You did indeed. The crowd was amazing, and I mentioned Isaiah Reed's goal, but a North Carolina FC goalkeeper and George Marks stood on his head, particularly on Friday night. What can you say about his play as you lead to the rest of your team? George was sensational. He was locked in
3: for a month. He was locked in all season, but he was he was super locked in for the entire run in the tournament. His play speaks for itself. He was without question the MVP of our run. And like in any sport that uses a goaltender. That you ride a hot, hot goalie, and we rode George all the way to the championship. And he's, you know, he's come so far, not just as a player, but as a young man and as a leader. And I think he epitomizes
1: what this 2021 national championship team is all about. Pretty neat that he did it on a field that he was very familiar with. I think he's even played some NCFC games actually on that field. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, and we had
3: and we had dinner on Thursday night when we arrived uh, at his parents' house. So I mean, it was a it was a homecoming of sorts uh, for George all the way around. And I knew as soon as we uh, as
1: soon as we won the penalty kick shootout at Oregon State that it was going to be a special weekend for George. So, this title was the seventh team national championship in Clemson Athletics history, joining football as they've only got three. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Men's golf and now three for the Clemson soccer program on a year where Clemson football was a little bit down. It was Clemson football and talking about soccer that really stepped up. Did you hear from Coach Sweeney after and a bunch of coaches after winning it?
3: Yeah, immediately after. I mean, we're a very tight community of coaches here at Clemson. By the time I got to the locker room, my inbox was full and most of it were my colleagues here at Clemson, including Coach Sweeney. And he and I have a running joke and uh, now we got to break the tie and we'll see who's the first one to be able to do that.
1: That'll be fun to watch. And, you know, clearly you've built a powerhouse program there. And I know you're going to lose some players to the pros, as you always send a ton of players to the pros, but how's it looking for your returning team and your incoming recruiting class? Cause we already got to start talking about repeating coach. <laughs> well, you know, we were, uh, we were on the bus on
3: the way back and I was talking to our trainer about some of the things we have to do to take care of some of our players as we look towards next year. So uh, yeah, we were, uh, we had, not necessarily turn the page, but we already have a vision of of what, what's next. And uh, yeah, no, we're really, really happy with our recruiting class. We've got eight kids committed. Uh, we'll have a couple more probably in February that'll come in as well. But when you build a program, you don't just build one team. And I think that there is a, we have su- sustained success for a long time. Uh, we poked our head through for a national title this year, but I think that we'll be competitive next year for the same things that we always are, ACC titles and national uh, titles.
1: You know, other great coaches like yourself, I'm thinking about like Sasha Swarovski and Jerry Yagley, even his son, Todd Yagley, and even down the road, Carlos Samuano has said, you know what? I probably should have won a few other titles. Now that you finally broke through and and won that one, got the proverbial monkey off your back, does that allow you to relax a little bit or you just keep on pushing on, keep on trucking?
3: No, I don't think you ever relax in this business, Dean. And, and it's not, you know, The trophies are important. The titles are important. But today we're going to graduate nine seniors in about an hour. And that's the important thing is that they've got Clemson degrees and now they've got a national title to go along with it. And the relationships that you build with the players is is what is really valuable. So you can't relax when
1: it comes to building relationships and building great men. So on this program, we have both D1 championship coaches. We have both D2 championship coaches. We have both D3 championship coaches, and we have both NAIA championship coaches. We know you had amazing success in the Ivy League at Brown and New Hampshire. But one of the things that I love about your path is you spent a year or two at Wheaton College and you played at Middlebury College. Remind me what level that is as far as collegially for Wheaton College and Middlebury College.
3: Yeah, they're both Division three schools, Dean. And, uh, you know, Wheaton was a single sex uh, women's college for a long, long time. I was the first male coach on campus when they went co ed, which had its own learning curve and, and experiences, which was wonderful. And uh, my playing days at, at Middlebury were sensational because Ron McEachin was my coach and he's uh, he's been a mentor to me throughout my entire coaching career. And that's where I ran into Ron. And, you know, Playing in Middlebury, you know, I tell people this too, is that fit is the most important thing and my entire coaching DNA and and everything that I have now in terms of my education is centered at Middlebury, Vermont. So really, really valuable place. And and I love visiting when I can get up there and it's just, uh, it's the center of my universe.
1: Well and you know this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast and you mentioned coach Ron he's a legend with United Soccer Coaches I wouldn't be surprised if he might have been one of the early voices to say hey Mike pay attention to what the then named NSCAA is doing
3: <laughs> no question he was my entry into the NSCAA and and uh you know it again it's the most it's the best coaching organization in the world right it, you know I think we always hear about how large it is but it's not just how large it is it, it is actually serves so many different aspects of our game and uh you know i know that we are there. There, are you know great people and, and great coaches that are overseas that maybe have higher profiles but they are envious of what we do with the uh u.s soccer coaches so it's uh it's a great great organization and ron was
1: my entry in just a couple more questions for mike noonan the head coach of the clemson tigers who just won the d1 men's soccer title down the road and Cary, North Carolina. A couple weeks ago, we had Bruce Murray on. The 1990 team will be recognized, and he was even telling Ralph Perez, watch out. Here comes Clemson. They're going to get it done this year. I got to believe people like Bruce and Woldy Harris, and there's so many, Gooch, I mean, there's so many legends that have come out of Clemson. Have you also heard from them, Coach?
3: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Stuart Holden was one of the first ones who tweeted out, and, you know, Miles Joseph was playing. He's the assistant manager at Portland right now, and, you know, they had a championship game that they lost on Saturday, but he he was Sunday. He was just as happy as any of the other tigers in our alums. And, you know, heard from all day, heard from all and, uh, and, and Bruce, uh, I've heard from Bruce about four times since we won the thing. So it's, uh, it is awesome. And, and, and to be a, be a tiger right now is a special, special thing. And
1: will we see you in Kansas city at the convention? Will you be able to work that into your schedule?
3: More than likely be there. We are uh, hosting Charlotte FC uh, in their first training camp uh, that week. So uh, I'm hoping to, to work it in. I was supposed to present, and unfortunately I had to pull out of that because of my obligations with hosting Charlotte FC. But we are trying to get
1: it in there for a day or two. That is super exciting. Mike Noonan, I know you've been knocking at the door. Now you've got it. You are the head coach of the national champion, Clemson Tigers. And I know you're super busy. Thanks for slipping in here right at press time to make this championship coaches edition. Congratulations, Coach Noonan. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Dean. And thanks for all you do for U.S. coaches and and, and all of us who are in the college game. All right. Awesome, Coach. Thank you. Enjoy uh, your holidays and uh, hope to see you at the very least on Kansas City on Friday, where hopefully you're up there getting the coach of the year and I can shake your hand as you come across the stage. Well, i look forward to that Dean. I think we'll be there for that. Awesome. And we're not done. When we return, we meet the D two national championship coaches for men and women on this week's United soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap. Come see us on podcast row at the 2022 United soccer coaches convention in Kansas city. This January, the convention is the ultimate event for soccer coaches and those who work in the game. Rekindle your passion through presentations, on-field demonstrations exhibits and events for coaches at every level whether you're attending alone or bringing the entire coaching staff there's no better place to learn network and experience all aspects of the game register for the convention before the price increases on december 16 to secure the best rate and as a listener of this podcast use the promo code pod 22 that's p-o-d 2 at checkout and save an additional $40. Your registration also includes all of the recorded sessions so you won't miss a thing. Visit United Soccer Coaches Convention.org today to register before December 16 and use promo code POD22. That's pod22 at checkout to save. We can't wait to be reunited with all of you in Kansas City. Great way to kick off the show with Mark Krikorian winning a D1 title. When you think D2 women, you got to think Grand Valley State. And, of course, those of you know that I cover the Big Ten Network, I've seen Dave Diani go from Grand Valley State after winning several to Iowa. I've seen the Haas, Jeff Hostler, go from winning some to Michigan State. And now their new man is Jim Conlin, who actually spent 12 seasons as the head coach at Division three Washington University in St. Louis. He's now made the jump to D2 in Grand Valley State, and in his first year, he wins another national championship for the Lakers. Jim Collin, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean, thanks for having me. Now, I don't know if you know Dave or Jeff, but I did text them yesterday. I know them well because of my work with the Big Ten Network, and then also they've been on this show because if you win a national championship, here's the deal, Jim, you get on this show, and I wrote a note and said, hey, I'm excited to talk to Jim Collin, but I just need to know... If all it takes is somebody in one of those little jack in the boxes to win national championships at grand Valley state. And of course, Dave said, yeah, that's exactly what they need. That's not true. They did say Jim Collins, the man, but man, you guys got something rolling there. Jim first year, you win a national championship, put into words what that means. Yeah. Well,
4: I think you come into a situation like grand Valley where the entire community is very supportive of the soccer program and You spoke before that we've got Dave and Jeff who have laid a fantastic foundation. So excited to come in here, excited to, you know, put my stamp on the program. But the combination of the coaching staff, along with the women of the program, I think really found a way to be the best version of themselves late in the season. So just couldn't be thrilled for for the women of the program. Our fifth year seniors that did an outstanding job of leading and winning a national championship is not easy. So it took a lot of commitment, a lot of hard work in this particular year with a new coaching staff. I think it took a lot of patience and compromise to listen to each other.
1: Take me back to the game. A golden goal in double overtime from Kennedy Bearden clinched the seventh NCAA national championship for Grand Valley State women's soccer with a 3-2 win over the St. Rose Golden Knights. That was on December 11th at Switchbacks FC Stadium in Colorado Springs. The Lakers finished the season 24-1-2 as national champions for the second consecutive season. That's quite the game. Golden goal to win it. What do you remember about that championship game, coach? We knew
4: St. Rose was going to be a great opponent, and I was just happy that Katie was able to get the end line several times, uh, and she got it one more time, put a great service across that popped back out to Kennedy, and Kennedy was prepared, ready, and hit that baby one time, and I think the rest uh, turned into a, a big mob on the field as as it does in Golden Goal. But in today's day and age, we didn't know if the referees were going to go check it with VAR. I didn't know if there was you know it was clean. But as soon as the linesman ran up that uh, sideline and the uh, center yelled, "It's over!" the celebration was on. Seventh national championship for Grand Valley.
1: Yeah, indeed. Another trophy. You're starting to stack them up like books on a bookshelf, which is awesome. And you know what else is awesome? I love your story. You spent those 12 seasons at Division three Washington University in St. Louis. You also spent time as both the men's and women's head coach at Division three Wardburg in Waverly, Iowa. So you put your time in at the D three level. You saw this job open up. How excited were you to apply for it, Jim? And then how excited, obviously were you to get the job? Yeah. I had been following Jeff for
4: quite a while and following soccer in general. So you kind of know who the teams are at all the levels are, if you're a true soccer fan and understand the collegiate ranks when Grand Valley opened up, it was uh, extremely intriguing and it was, an opportunity for me to potentially come talk to them. And then when they uh, did call back and we were able to have some more conversations, I think you just felt that this, this was a special place where they were committed to the student athlete experience and winning. And when you have an entire community ready to help you be the best coach you can be, as well as the players have the resources to fulfill their aspirations, Uh, It was great. I I had two fantastic stops at Wartburg and Wash U. And this has just been a a third stop. I've been very blessed at all three institutions I've worked at.
1: Jim Collin in his first season at Grand Valley State gets another D2 title for the D2 women. National Championship in his first season. I've heard from Dave what he loved about Grand Valley State. I've heard from Jeff Hostler what he loves about Grand Valley State. Now I wanna hear what Jim Collin, his wife Jeannie, and your two children, Courtney and Carson, think of Grand Valley State. I think our early impression is the commitment to the
4: excellence of winning. They want to win. They are committed to the excellence of winning and they care about the people while we do it. Uh, my family has been very welcomed. Uh, by the Western Michigan community, as well as the Grand Valley community. And I think the commitment to
1: excellence and the commitment to winning makes this place special. So awesome. You win one. That means you got to try to win another one. But let's not even go there yet. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Where did you go up? I know you went to Loris College. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I have no idea where that is, but tell us about (laughs) where you grew up and how you ended up there. So I grew up in
4: Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Greater Land, Chicago area. Uh, Ended up at Laura's small little Catholic school on the corner of Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois, right along the Mississippi River. So spent four years there. Their women actually just made the first Final Four appearance for them this year. Uh, So that was a great, great uh, run by Coach Pucci. And then took over a, a conference opponent, the Wartburg Knights. So that was a little bit of a Transition from 99 to 2000 to go to a conference opponent, and then after spending eight years at Wartburg doing the many and the women, uh, Washington University is a fantastic place, and so my wife and I decided to relocate down there. Like you said, we spent 12 years down there before coming up here, so it's really been a Midwest run. I've been very fortunate to keep uh, the family in the Midwest so we can be close to all of our loved ones, uh, but still be at a... High rate of success on the field and in my job. So it's hard to call soccer coaching a job when you get to mentor young people and try and show up every day to be the, uh, you know, put together a great experience for them. But I guess it is a job.
1: So we've been able to stay in the Midwest. That's so true. And it's hard to find a higher rate than winning a national championship, by the way, as it's sitting (laughs) right there behind you. I know this is an audio podcast, but the trophy is right over his shoulder, which is. Fantastic for sure. Jim, one of the great things about this show is, you know, Mark Tricorian opened it up. Now I'll have you and then the D2 coach that won the national championship, both D3 coaches and then two NAIA coaches. You spent all that time at D3, then to D2. Can you talk about how D3 prepared you and the level of soccer and then how much better it is at D2 or what the similarities are?
4: Some of the similarities are you've got high driven athletes at Washington University and at Grand Valley that want to succeed at the highest level. And and the highest level at the collegiate ranks is the national championship. You know, the the college cup, as D1 calls it. And so really, it's a matter of motivating and finding a way to have each person give themselves to the program so the program can be successful. And so I've been fortunate where we had some really high achieving young ladies at WashU. And. Equally, we've got some high-achieving, high-aspiration women at Grand Valley. The tactics uh, are similar. Uh, I had to take over a, a formation that they were accustomed to, but I wasn't fully accustomed to. So that's where that compromise of excellence comes through.
1: Uh, speaking of excellence, although uh, I got to be careful, I don't, I don't want to be too much of a, you know, what kind of kisser. But Jeff Van Duzen, I'm so happy for him taking over as the CEO. And I kind of understand maybe you two have known each other for a little bit, or is it a new relationship that he just fell upon you? Tell me about that connection with Jeff Van Dusen.
4: Yeah, that was a little bit where we fell upon each other. He was very familiar with the region, the conference with his time at Indy. And then we happened to bump into each other and have a great conversation over at the championships last weekend. So it was great to see Jeff continue you know, his tenure impacting lives uh, throughout going from a coach to now the, uh, highest administrator. I don't know if we're allowed to break out his title yet because he hasn't fully started. So I won't spoil that, but, uh, um, no, that's out know, there. No, that's public knowledge. Okay. So he's, CEO. you know, going from, from coach to CEO and impact in life. So just, you know, had a nice conversation with him, uh, up at the final four and, and it went from there.
1: Okay. Yeah. He was super excited for me to have you on. And of course, I, you know, I told him, I said, it's routine. I feel like uh, every year I know I'm going to be talking to somebody at Grand Valley state. And I will tell you this too, Jim and the Grand Valley state people probably won't like it, but I told Dave Diani, as I started to interview him, you know what you belong in the big 10 or at the next level. And then I told Jeff Hostler, you know, it'd be amazing if you ended up back at Michigan state, we're going to need you to stay put there a little bit and try to win <laughs> two, three, four more, but you know, you did D3, you did D2, let's say you win four or five, would you be looking at uh, maybe what the D1 experience
4: would be like? Yeah, I think you're always out there listening. Uh, Again, like I said before, I've been very fortunate to be at institutions that have really committed themselves to the student athlete experience and their personal excellence. So if another institution that happened to be at the D1 level uh, called, I think I would listen to that. But right now we are sitting here at Grand Valley committed to making this community the best version that, of themselves that we can. And, and uh, I'm excited to be here, but I, I would listen. Uh, that's for sure.
1: So I'll just read you my text to go back to it. I said, Dave and Haas, I'm having Jim Collin on the United Soccer Coaches podcast as another Grand Valley State National Champion head coach. At this point, I'm wondering if I should say, quote, a monkey could coach this team, laugh out <laughs> loud. Obviously, I'm kidding and love you guys. What a program. Happy holidays. And Dave Diani writes back, Oh, that's great. Good job, Jim. Outstanding coach. And yes, it's appropriate to say since a monkey was hired in 2004 with no idea what he was doing. That is true. Happy holidays. Obviously, they're having fun. But kind of going back to following those two gentlemen, you've already answered the bell by handling the pressure of what they did by winning this national championship. That's got to be a huge
4: relief. Yeah, I mean, you know the expectations when you come to Grand Valley. Uh, you know, I think we've heard our seniors say it over and over in interviews we want the pressure, we want the expectation. Pressure is a privilege. And so uh, it, it is nice to have that privilege rewarded with, with the national championship in my first year. But like I said, I mean, Haas and Dave have laid a great foundation. We expect great things out of the people inside this program. And we'd be remiss to not mention Becca, who came with me from WashU, but also. Scotty and Annette. You know, Annette was brought in from Haas, and then Scotty, he's still the only one that has all seven rings coming from Dave to Haas to myself. So I think when you've got that longevity where people truly care about the athletes and and what we're doing
1: here, it's exciting. It's very exciting around here. Speaking of caring, Jim Collin, you know the United Soccer Coaches care about college at all levels of the game. They care about youth and pro and every other level as well. What has the United Soccer Coaches meant to you and your growth, Jim? It's meant the world from the licenses uh, very
4: early in my career to serving on various committees um, to try and help, you know, the next group of coaches come up while also impacting athletes across the country and continuing to, Trying and be advocates in any way. We've got several great advocacies out there. I know uh, there was some buzz uh, last month about United soccer coaches trying to help the D three championships, maybe get a little bit of a different look that didn't go the way that the soccer fans wanted. So uh, United soccer coaches is, is a governing body second to none in all sports to talk to fellow coaches in other sports. And you just don't see a governing body that can, help literally from the youth grassroots levels all the way through the professionals. So it's been a fantastic resource for me as a coach.
1: We're hoping you winning this national championship means we'll see you in Kansas city. There's a really good chance. I don't know how the voting works, but I do feel like uh, usually the national championship coach is pretty close to winning the coach of the year, if not outright winning it. Uh, Will we see you in Kansas city at the convention coach? Yeah, we definitely plan on making our way to
4: Kansas City uh, might even stop by St. Louis on the drive, say hi to some friends, but the, the convention is a highlight of the year every year. Um, I think you can always put tools in your toolbox and, and there's so many great networking and educational opportunities at the convention that we, we would be there for sure, whether awards are given or not. It's just a, a fantastic time of the year to go out there. And, you know, we'll see it's, it's been a whirlwind of a fall when you get hired mm-hmm. on August 1st and move on August 4th with preseason, starting on the 11th, uh, the family, not even moving in until later in August. So I do have some boxes to unpack still.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I hope you continue to do it with that electrifying smile you have because it's an outstanding smile and it's a national championship smile with that. The last question you talked about tools in the toolbox. What do you have coming back? What do you, how do you feel about, you know, I got to get that word repeat out there again. And in this case, it would be a three peat right? As you followed one up, what are the tools in the toolbox looking like for Grand Valley state for next year coach? Yeah, we're excited about a, a core group
4: coming back. I think you look at it, uh, we've got a lot of goal scoring coming back, young person in the net, but we are going to lose some significant pieces. You know, we had some fantastic leadership in our fifth year seniors, as uh, along with our non-COVID seniors, I guess is the way you say it now. And so we're going to have some holes to fill. There's no doubt about it. Great attacker in Katie Barron, you know, uh, the National Player of the Year, Cecilia Steinwasher in the middle of the park, Abby Willer, All-American on the back line. So we've got some holes that we're going to have to fill with all of those seniors graduating. But we've also got some young players that were really developing into ready to step into a bigger role. So we're excited. We, we definitely feel like
1: we're ready to reload, retool, and get ready for next year's run. All right. As we walk into holiday season, last question, no matter what holes you have to fill until middle of December, just about you will be known as the reigning national champion coach (laughs) and Grand Valley state. That'll never get old, right? Never gets old,
4: never gets old. And the reason it doesn't get old, it's a solidification of the efforts of the team that was able to do something like that. And so when you get to achieve at the highest level and you're the reigning champion, it means that you did something right together as a as a family. And I'm, I'm just proud of our women team for handling all the adversity that we had to go through this year to get to this point.
1: All right, I like your energy. I hope uh, you're okay with me teasing Dave and Jeff just a little bit as well. Way to keep it going. I know they're super proud of you. I can tell you right there that the, that's that was their sentiments uh, as we had a little bit of fun as you kept it going. Jim Conlon, the head coach of Grand Valley State, they win another D2 women's national title Coach. Thanks for joining us on this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's our Championship Coaches Edition, where we interview the D1, D2, D3, and NAIA Championship coaches that were just crowned recently, and that includes at the D2 level, Cal State LA, now on his 18th season, just wrapped up his 18th season. Chris Chamonix, who you might know from his time at Major League Soccer, but he's been at Cal State L.A. a long time, and he's the D2 men's soccer national champion. How's that sound, Chris? Dean,
5: that sounds good. I'm happy to hear it, and I could hear it every day as far as that's concerned.
1: That's how it should be. Talk about uh, your run. Tell us who you beat, uh, maybe from the Elite Eight on, to take home the national championship.
5: Yeah, the way we are organized in D2 is we have a super region that combines uh, many of the western states, so Texas, Colorado, California, et cetera. Uh, we ended up facing some Colorado schools uh, early on. We had Pueblo and then had a very, very difficult match against Colorado Mesa. It's a very strong team, a very well-coached team. We were fortunate to get through there in the overtime, and that allowed us to move on. And uh, we, we got to that Elite Eight and had had Pomona, and, and we knew them from our conference and, and were fortunate to advance in another tough game there. And then got to the semifinal against Nova Southeastern, uh, which is... Uh, a team I had faced many, many years ago when I was in the NAIA in Florida, but happy to see them back doing well. They gave us all we could handle. We were fortunate to advance in penalties. And then obviously we faced the same opponent in the final as we did in 2019, Charleston.
1: Fantastic. Charleston's always a tough out. So that's a big win. Talk about what it meant and the the celebration when it happened as you counted down those final seconds to get that national championship.
5: Yeah, we, we had played a very difficult game in the rain and snow in Pittsburgh against Charleston back in 2019. And and unfortunately due to the pandemic, we had no 2020. So this was the next go around since then. Um, and we, we didn't even have a spring semester to play. Uh, here in LA. so it was it was a really a long time since we had all gotten together. So to see those final seconds go down to know that we had made it back and, and gotten another ninety minutes further and actually won it was was fantastic.
1: Obviously, you love Cal State LA. I think for over ten years you coached both the men and the women. Talk about that experience.
5: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, we've had great teams on the women's side and great teams on the men's side. It was a certainly a big project, a, a big lift. Uh, I know when I arrived in two thousand three, you know, both the teams were were towards the bottom of the conference. I, I actually think we were in the coaches poll selected to finish last in both the men's side and the women's side when I got there. So we knew that there was a build that we had to go through and it certainly took time we got the women's side up to championship level and, and got to the NCAA tournament several times with them and won our conference, et cetera, and, and did the same with the men. And then it was just a matter of, you know, can we get more traction in the NCAA tournament and it took us some time, but that's why it was so pleasing to get there this year.
1: Chris, you like me spent time at major league soccer. I was the original director of communications and was with the Colorado Rapids. You spent time with San Jose and Chivas USA. Talk about those highlights and what it meant to your career.
5: Yeah, I've been really fortunate. I've 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 now worked with three different MLS teams. Uh, early on, it was San Jose. I think the first few days we were at San Jose Clash, uh, and then we transitioned to the San Jose Earthquake. So we're going back to MLS 1.0 there. I had a chance to move up in that in that in that team and got to director of soccer. Uh, was my my outgoing title there, senior director of soccer, and was part of the rebuild. to to move that team in 2001, we had a worst to first kind of turnaround that time. That was the Landon Donovan days and Jeff Agus and all those guys and Dwayne De Rosario and all that. And, and I was very much a part of the player personnel side on that uh, in that time. Uh, and then had a transition down to LA for this coaching opportunity uh, and, and did some work with Bob Bradley at Chivas USA for the first few years there and also with Precky in, in his first year. So put in, I think it was a four-year shift in the end, which to be honest, was great because those four years, Chivas was a playoff team all four years there with names that I think we all would know now. Jim Curtin, Jesse Marsh, Dante Razov, all those guys who are so many coaches in that group, you know, and and that even stems back to the old Chicago, Chicago Fire days. So there's a, a whole group there. Uh, and then now it lasts. For three, four years. I've been working with uh, LAFC as well, uh, working with uh, originally Bob and, and John Thorrington, the general manager in their scouting department, and, and just being a consultant on the scouting side and working with their first team and trying to lend a hand there.
1: Awesome. Chris no Chamides, the head coach of Cal State LA. I used to live in
5: Los Angeles in Westwood. Tell me where Cal State LA is located. Yeah, so we're about five miles east of downtown. Uh, so we're right off Highway 10 there. Where the seven ten and the ten meet. If you know L.A. at all, so we're right smack in the middle of things. So it's a it's a chance to be very central in Southern California. We have players from many different parts of California, namely Northern California, but specifically Southern California the most part.
1: How about uh, your mentors? Who are some key mentors in your life uh, as you think about your career?
5: Yeah, there've been so many. Uh, obviously, you know, I mentioned Bob Bradley earlier. He's someone that I've been around for a long time he goes back pretty far into New Jersey days and I grew up in Brooklyn New York and so there was some overlap there with the Union Lancers and playing against those teams and all that kind of stuff and so when I was in San Jose just knocking on on draft day on on the Chicago fire table and talking to Bob about trades. And we didn't know each other, but we kind of got to know each other from there. And so he's certainly been someone that, you know, I watch how he works. I watch how he communicates and, you know, have a great admiration for the stuff that he's done and, and, and the person that he is and the leader that he is. But also, you know, even before Bob, there was Jim Rudy, who was at University of Massachusetts. I went to grad school there. I was an assistant coach there. Uh, and, and he was a very well-established coach and, and someone who taught me a lot uh, in those first few years as I was cutting my teeth and coaching.
1: Always loved hearing those great names as well. And I know this is the first title for Cal State LA on the men's side. Is it the first title for any sport, Cal State LA, or have they won in other sports? Do you know?
5: Yeah. I mean, I don't know at all. I, I, you know, we've had a lot of great track and field athletes who have won some individual stuff. Um, but I think it's the first team championship since like 1981 or something like that. So wow. it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're super proud. And then
1: talk to me about you played at Lafayette. That was D one. Talk to me about the level of D two. Cause I've heard there's
5: a lot of D two teams that can take care of some D one teams. That's the standard that I've been told about. I mean, I would agree. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but you know, I, I think, the higher end of Division Two, I mean, these are really well put together teams. And there are some players that can do a very good job across any level in, in the NCAA. So we've had many players who transfer to us, let's say, from Division One schools or whatnot. And I think it's like any organization, if you do good work. Day in, day out, the word gets around and, and, and players feel like, hey, if I want a good experience, a real experience at Cal State LA is a good place to be. So we've been able over the course of years to attract a lot of you know serious, ambitious student athletes. and 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 that's helped us to create really good teams and play some good football every now and then.
1: Finally, I was really excited looking at your bio to see that uh, you've got your license with U.S. Soccer, but you've also put in time with United Soccer Coaches. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What has the organization meant to you? And then, when you're done, let us know if you're going to make it to Kansas City in January.
5: Yeah, my intention is to be in Kansas City. Absolutely, we're we're super proud and happy to be a part of the United Soccer Coaches. You know, and 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 I've been there for, for many many years, including when I graduated Lafayette and. Uh, You know, we're trying to splice together a couple of bucks to get out to the convention and, 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 you know, sharing a ride with someone to get to Philadelphia and sharing a hotel room and, you know, and I didn't have a dollar in my pocket trying to start the college career, the college coaching career and, you know, I think all young coaches are trying to get there that way in the beginning. Uh, And then eventually, slowly but surely, you start going back there with a little bit of a budget. So it's been really uh, exciting to be a part of this to grow with it from a coaching perspective and to see all the colleagues, you know, doing well and every now and then celebrating their successes and maybe this is our chance so we're super proud. Yeah, I might even see you up on the stage on Friday night as the Coach of the Year. We'll wait and see if uh, we're
1: shaking your hand up there as uh, looking forward to that, always on the awards banquet on Friday night. Chris Chamity the head coach for Cal State LA, the D2 men's national champs. Thanks for being on this edition of the Championship Coaches for the United Soccer Coaches podcast. A
5: real pleasure, Coach. Thanks, Dean. Good luck to everybody.
1: Appreciate the good luck. But this is the National Championship Coaches Edition, so it obviously took more than luck to get to this point. We've already met the D1 National Championship Coaches, the D2 National Championship Coaches. When we return, we visit with the D3 National Championship Coaches for both men and women. This is Dean Linke with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. United Soccer Coaches College Services Program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for Team Academic and Team Pinnacle Awards, plus all-season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and Junior College governing bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services program now. Congratulations to Connecticut College as we roll on with our championship coaches edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap as senior captain Lorenzo Bocchetti converted a deciding penalty kick after freshman Peter Sylvester stopped two penalty shots as the Connecticut College men's soccer team captured The 2021 NCAA Division III Men's Soccer National Championships, that was just a week or so ago at University of North Carolina Greensboro Soccer Stadium. We're joined by their fine young head coach, Ruben Burke. Ruben, the first ever championship in any sport for Connecticut College. I feel like that means even more. How are you feeling about
5: that?
6: Yeah, have had a week now to uh, kind of soak it in and process it. But yeah, it's still, it's still a really, really proud moment and hopefully uh, a moment that our whole school can rally behind because we do have many good up and coming teams. And, um, you know, I think it's it's a sign sign of things to come, hopefully for them. And you're just a young coach. You started in 2019 after being the assistant coach. I got to
1: admit, Ruben, you've got those boyish looks like a baby face assassin there. You look like you're about 19, so I don't know how old you are, but as a youngster, this has got to be really thrilling for you to already have a national championship and get that ring.
6: Yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. You know, I, I still think I'm far from a good coach, and I still have a lot to learn. The game is always changing, so you have to stay up to date, take it one day at a time, keep keeping in the the best coach and the best educator and, and the best mentor that you can be for these guys. But, but if anything, yeah, it's a, it's encouraging. It, it self-motivates me to want to keep winning and, and keep chasing it. So yeah, it's, it's a good feeling, but, but I also kind of know I'm realistic. I know where I stack up in, in the food chain. So. Well,
1: you stack up as a national champion. That's all I know. So no one's going to take that away from you. You mentioned being a mentor for these young men who's been some key mentors for you and your development at such a young age.
6: I've been really lucky to have uh, really good um, head coaches who I've worked for. Sean Griffin at Hobart, Marco Kuhlman at the College of the Holy Cross, and then Ken Murphy, who was the the previous head coach here. And I think a national championship is an accumulation of many, many hard hard uh, working years. And Murph really got the ball rolling, really put Khan as a formidable team on the map. And, and I was lucky enough to um, take over the reins and, and keep the ball rolling from what he had done. So learned so much from all of those guys. And I think anytime that you become a head coach, you, you know, you try to put your twist or your flavor on things and um, you know, just been fortunate.
1: Remind me where you played. Cause I feel like you also played and got your master's. If I'm correct, if I'm wrong on that, you can correct me, but don't you have a master's as well? Remind me where you played.
6: Yeah, I, w- I went to a small school in upstate New York, Hobart and William Smith, a division three school. And then um, then I grad assisted. I did my MBA while assisting coach at Alfred University, a school in the Empire, 8, also upstate New York. So I did a combined six years of division three in, uh, in New York. And then um, my home is uh, greater Boston. So I transitioned to Holy Cross uh, after grad school.
1: The William Smith, the part of that Hobart and William Smith, mm-hmm. Alice Ann Wilber, who's a legend with United soccer coaches. Did you ever cross paths with
6: her? Yeah. You know, typical liberal arts school, both soccer teams are very close. Uh, the sports teams in general are really close. And we watched William Smith play practice and play many, many times. And, and uh, yeah, the culture that they have and the winning mentality that they had was uh, definitely something that I picked up and, and, um, noticed and, and stayed with me. Let's put the spotlight on Connecticut College.
1: Where is it located and what makes it so special?
6: New London, Connecticut, which is right on the ocean, equidistant between New York City and Boston, uh, roughly an hour and a half from each. Campus is beautiful. A lot of the dorms overlook the ocean. What makes it unique? is It's a very high academic school. These, you know, these kids get a great, well-rounded experience in the classroom, most importantly. And they're part of the NESCAT conference, which for men's soccer, I'm sure for other sports as well, has been a very formidable conference where you're playing some of the best Division three athletes on, on a weekly basis. So getting a top liberal arts education, getting prepared for the real world, excellent uh, internship opportunities, networking opportunities, relationship with your professors, and then being part of a conference that really prepares you and and challenges you for the national tournament. So I think I think um, it's a great student-athlete experience here.
1: All right, walk me through from the Elite Eight on. So you get to the Elite Eight, walk us through who you beat and then who you beat in the semifinal game, and then walk us through that championship game. Talk us through the, those three games.
6: Elite Eight was a team that we had already played twice Tufts University, uh, the defending national champions. It was in some ways the rubber match because we had beat them in the regular season. They had beat us in the conference tournament. Both teams knew each other inside out. I think the best way to describe the game, both teams took their gloves off and and, and just went for it. Uh, very high scoring game. Both teams, loads of players that could create chances. Uh, both teams very confident, not having lost in a while. So, yeah, that game was a bit of a roller coaster, a bit too opened for probably for both coaches liking. The game was very fine margins, you know, and on, on any other day of the week, Tufts, Tufts could have came out on top, but we created maybe one more chance than them and, and took our opportunity. Washington and Lee in the national semifinal was a team that we've never played before. Kind of an interesting matchup in the fact that both teams had never been to the final four before, so Two teams, pretty young, hungry, up-and-coming. Both teams similar in the sense that had a lot of different options or a lot of different players that, that could score their goals. I think I think Washington Lee had three All-Americans, which, um, which is a testament to their program. But typical semifinal game was cagey. The vast majority of chances came in the second half. N- not really many chances in the first half. In the later stages of the tournament, you definitely need luck. We lucked out in the sense that um, one of their players picked up a second yellow card. So in the dying minutes of the game and in overtime, we were able to play a man up, which gave us a big advantage. Ultimately, we worked the ball out wide. There wasn't pressure on the ball out wide, so we were able to get a free cross in. And, um, and our guys were committed, hungry, and, and crashed the six-yard box to, to nick a goal. <laughs> Again, the national final is a team that we know all too well, and they knew us really well. You know, Amherst, one of those elite programs that is every single year going to be competing for a national championship because of their culture and in um, their work ethic. We rode the storm for the first 20 minutes. Amherst getting the ball forward, lots of pressure, keeping the ball in our end, making it difficult to play. The key to the game was surviving and, and not being, not conceding first, not not going down early in the game. Got ourselves into halftime. Credit to our guys. They raised their belief. They grew into the game. We're able to knock the ball around more. We're able to build the ball and, and create more chances. In a final, it's, you know going to come down to very fine margins. We were able to score on a corner kick. I think that was one of our keys to success later in the season is that our set pieces just kept getting better and better and better. We scored a set piece against Redlands, scored multiple set pieces against Tufts, scored our corner kick. With a minute and a half, Amherst puts a ball into the box. We you know we didn't deal with it. I think it was nerves, uh, lack of communication, but then uh, in PKs, we had confidence because we beat Salem State in the first round of, of um, the NCAA tournament in PKs. We knew we had an excellent, excellent, excellent shot stopper, Peter Sylvester, who's part of the U23 Bermuda national team. We had been practicing PKs for two or three weeks, and, and we know who we wanted to shoot. They knew exactly where they wanted to go. So, so again, you, you need a combination of luck, self-belief resiliency and um and yeah the the, you know it shows you how fine of margins it is national championship decided by pks so
1: wait so that means you were the man who beat my guest last week ralph perez who is the assistant coach for the 1990 u.s world cup team and he was talking about losing that game you were the man that took my boy ralph down
6: yeah yeah, they were they were an exceptionally good team, really well positioned and disciplined behind the ball. Not an easy team to break down. And then you know, if you lost the ball, you, you had to be switched on because um, their their transitions were lightning quick. And uh, and yeah, you you know the way they were set up behind the ball and in transition, you can tell that they were really well coached.
1: We're here with Roman Burke, a very good coach. He's the head coach of Connecticut college who just won the D three national championship. Look, you know that United soccer coaches has been a massive advocate for getting that extra day. You didn't get it this time around. Talk about how important that would be to get that extra day between the semifinal and the final for the D three men and women.
6: Yeah, it would, it would be huge. And, um, you know, every coach that I've been fortunate enough to hold this conversation with is, is pretty much in alignment that it would be good for the sport, good for the student athlete experience, raising the professional standard of uh, Division three soccer. Everyone, for the most part, is in agreement. So I think if, if we keep advocating for it, hopefully it will come. But yeah, I think you want the two best teams in the country to be their healthiest, to be in a position where they can play their best soccer on, on their most important day of the season.
1: As we wrap up our time, I see the old NSCA logo behind you with All-Americans there in your office, now known as United Soccer Coaches. I know that uh, you've had some courses with United Soccer Coaches. As you think about the association, what has it meant to you and your development as a young, excellent head coach?
6: The support and uh, learning that I've got with United Soccer Coaches has, has been paramount. I've been fortunate enough to do my national diploma and advanced national. I'll be looking to do the premiere either this year or next year. And not only just the quality of the content and, and the thinking that you're asked to do and, and analyzing the game, but also the people that you meet and the relationships that you build. And, you know, when you're surrounded by X number of coaches that are so passionate for the game that rubs off on you and, and just makes the whole uh, coaching community better. So yeah, United Soccer Coaches is a fantastic group and certainly a group that I feel fortunate to be a part of.
1: Two more questions for Ruben. And one is, will we see you in Kansas City at the convention?
6: Yes, most likely. Yes. All right.
1: And we may even see you up on the stage winning the national coach of the year. That often happens when you win the national championship. That'll be cool to be able to shake your hand up there. And finally, Ruben, uh, as such a young man that has dedicated a lot of your time to soccer, what are some things you like to do away from the soccer field? Let us get to know Ruben Burke a little better.
6: Really enjoy traveling. Try to go to as, new, uh, as many new places as possible. It was much easier doing during uh, pre-COVID. Been fortunate enough to be gone to um, Central America, South America, Asia. I really enjoy reading, uh, spending time with family. I'm an avid golfer, not a good one, but I enjoy golfing. Like most young coaches, really passionate about the game. And anytime there's a game on TV, I'm, you know, guaranteed to be watching it.
1: All right, awesome. Certainly uh, enjoyed getting to know you. You're a guy I want to hang with. I like your style, man. You're nice, calm, cool, and collected. And like I said, you still got that baby face, man. Don't let anybody take that away from you, man. That's uh, that's something that's, you know, a value for sure. Ruben Burke, the head coach of the national champion, first time ever for Connecticut College, we think in any sport, right? Confirming yeah. that? Yep. Incredible. Well done. You enjoy it. Enjoy your holiday. And hopefully we'll see you in Kansas city up on that stage.
6: Awesome. Thanks so much, Dean. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Rolling on with our championship coaches episode of United soccer coaches podcast. We're sticking with D three. We move to women where Christopher Newport led by Jamie Gunderson are your D three women national champs. And coach Gunderson joins me now coach. Welcome to this special championship coach edition of the podcast. Thanks for having me. That sounds pretty good. right? Christopher, your division three national champs. Definitely. that sounds spot on there. Do me a favor. Walk me through your elite eight games and your semifinal and final games. Walk me through those games. What happened? uh, What took place as you moved on and won that title?
7: Yeah, so we traveled to Case Western for the 16 and Elite Eight match. We played Trinity in the first one and then got past them. Then we had to play Chicago in the Elite Eight match. And we scored in the first five minutes of the game and then like right before halftime. So we're up 2-0 at half. Chicago is doing a great job of creating chances. But then my mindset kind of took the second half, is kind of manage the game and just make it really tough for Chicago to score any goals. Because at that point, I didn't think we needed more than two to win the match and then just broke it up in 15-minute increments and just kind of navigated it from there, win those, those 15 minutes each time, and we'll win the match. And that's what the girls did, and they fought really hard, and Chicago, again, tested us throughout that whole second half, and we weathered the storms when they came, and they got the one goal late, and we hung on and moved on to the next one and then get to the Final Four. All those teams were tough teams. Didn't know a lot about Loris going into the match just because we just don't see those teams very often. However, I had film on them, talked to a few coaches, and they were big on set pieces. So we knew it was going to be a match of, you know, defending a lot of set pieces, corner kicks, long throw-ins, every free kick they had. They're going to dump it in the box and have a bunch of numbers forward, thrown forward, and that was their game plan going forward. So just made sure we were disciplined as a team, just saying, you know, just win these moments. And then I felt like we were going to create chances with their system that they played, being that it's pretty kind of old school in the mindset they played a sweeper stopper system. So didn't really get to see that very often. But then we had a few chances, didn't score them. They had a few chances and then made a little bit handful of adjustments at halftime. And then I thought we handled the second half really well. And then, you know, we didn't score. So we go to overtime, scoring the first two minutes of overtime, I think. Remember Richie gets a ball from Sarah Real on the right side. She goes down and has great pace, gets beyond. Her player plays a cutback ball across the face of the goal. And Riley Cook does what she does and has a really good finish and created a really good separation in that moment. And so that catapulted us to the finals. And then TC and Jay, you know, can't speak, but great things about them. And Joe, how how his career has gone and again. You know, he's kind of been kind of one of those legends in the D3 world, has over 550 wins or, in, you know, a couple of national championships. And so he's been on that stage and that team has been around for a long time. And kind of oddly that we haven't played them in my kind of eight years, nine years now at CNU. So kind of surprising that it took that long for us to play each other, but knew that program, felt confident, you know, with that game plan and how we attacked them and slash defended them. And I thought we were great all game. And, you know, they had a couple chances that they could have put away, but I thought we showed up and played really well from the start of the kickoff to the end of the game. We scored pretty early. Off a corner kick, Riley Cook serves one in, Sarah Smith taps that in on the back post kind of run, and then we get a PK in the second half with about maybe 20 minutes to go. And then from there, it's just, again, managing and killing the game, essentially, and the girls did a fantastic job with that. What do you remember about the celebration? Who was the first person you hugged, Coach? My staff, you know? It's just, you know, we've put in all these hours and time and this work, and just almost an unreal moment, just for it to happen, it just was awesome. And then just celebrated with the, you know, my two staff members and my athletic trainer who's been with us for now three years and just a really special moment. Tell
1: us where Christopher Newport is located and what makes it so special.
7: Yeah, so we're located in Newport News, Virginia, so southeastern part of Virginia, kind of in between Williamsburg and Virginia Beach. So, I mean, the great thing seeing you. And I think we're a fairly new university. Our president, President Tribble, who is retiring after this spring semester, has been there for 26 years, and he's just revamped the university. And just it's just exploding. And I think, again, we're still just scratching the surface as a university. So academics are continuing to to get better. And the kind of student-athlete that we get at CNU, again, I think the academic piece, and then you add in now competitive athletics just makes for something that can be really special. Another thing that we pride ourselves on at CNU is that you can do more than just soccer or academics. You can have that holistic lifestyle that you're looking for. You know, we're a community. Everybody's there to help you. So again, if you need help, the professors, staff, you name it, will be there to help you and get to where your whatever your end goal is. And if you look across the board, I mean, most of our athletic programs are ranked in the top. 25 and again I think that's hopefully this is the kickstart for me breaking down that door or, or barricade whatever you want to call it to winning a national championship we had a couple close calls in other sports and now hopefully that again shows that we can do it you, or you can do it so hopefully that now
1: again it's other programs winning national championships Now you've proven it. I want to get to know you a little bit better though, Jamie Gunderson. As you said, you've been there eight or nine years, but tell us where you grew up, where you went to college, what you did before you got to Christopher Newport. Yeah. So I'm from Newport News,
7: Virginia. I basically have lived my whole life in Newport News, Virginia. Went away for four years in college. I went to Methodist University down in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and then played there, played four years there, graduated with an accounting degree, came back to Newport News and got an accounting job. I was working for the Portsmouth Redevelopment the Housing Authority in Portsmouth, but living in Newport News. I always you know, loved soccer, so I always wanted to kind of help grow the game and coach. So I started with the youth level with Virginia Legacy Soccer Club. And then my sister played at CNU. So her coach respected me enough and asked me to help volunteer. And so that's kind of how I got brought on board at CNU, started as a volunteer. Then Dan Weiler got brought in. And when he got brought in, he found out who I was, got to know him, and he brought me on as part time which we have a part-time position at CNU. And then the year after that, I got the full-time assistant position and I was the assistant for eight years. And then Dan left and went to Johns Hopkins. And then now the opening for the head job was there and then, you know, applied and went through the process and fortunate enough to become the head coach. Kind of my journey was kind of, wasn't looking to actually get into college coaching, but it kind of fell into my lap. And I always thought, you know, accounting will always be there and, you know, take this head on. And, you know, I love soccer, so couldn't turn it down.
1: You look pretty young coach. So how old were you when you became the head coach? I was 33. had to write it
7: and write right, kind of when COVID hit.
1: And then, um, yeah, this was my first year, official year this fall. Now, United Soccer Coaches, obviously this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. How has that association helped you grow as a coach?
7: Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, I've been going to the convention for, you know, last eight, nine years, and again, just always learning and from others and love the convention and seeing what other people do and, you know, tweaking it a little bit for what our level is or how maybe just the culture things and how to communicate and things like that. So again, the, the organization has definitely helped
1: me in those areas and continuing to grow. Now, tying it back to Christopher Newport, you did a great job breaking down where it is and what makes it a special community. You also did a great job saying what United Soccer Coaches means to you. They'll probably recognize you as well for the great work you do. Who knows? You could be the coach of the year, and I'll see you up on that stage on on Friday night. That'll be pretty neat. But when you got back to Christopher Newport, how was the reception from the university and from your administration?
7: Uh, It was amazing. Unfortunately, we got back pretty late Saturday night, so it didn't really have too much, right? We just kind of dropped our gear off. But Sunday, we do a kind of a Christmas lighting the lawn ceremony is what we called it. And, you know, we got recognized there in front of a thousand, a couple thousand people. So really special moment for the girls to just be up on stage and the president just talking how great they are and just acknowledging them. And again, uh, just so proud of them. And, uh, you know, these are memories
1: that they'll have for the rest of their lives as we close. And you already said a couple of coaches that, uh, you know, were there along the way and as you took over, but are there some key names, maybe assistant coaches, mentors, or whatever that helped you get to this point where I can actually say, Jamie Gunderson, Christopher Newport are the D three national champions.
7: It's kind of funny. I still play kind of for your USL two team in the summertime too. But, um, you know, growing up, Dave Junty was my club coach day in and day out. So learned a lot of a lot of valuable lessons through those those years growing up. And then when I got back and started coaching club soccer, Steve Shaw, who used to be the men's coach at CNU, and Justin Chesham, who's now the head coach, who was the assistant coach when I got brought back, and Dan Weiler, I would say those kind of Four coaches have definitely kind of molded and mentored me into the coach I am today and kind of owe a lot of that to them for, especially Dan Weiler, bringing me on staff and taking a chance on me. And then from there, just now where I'm at, which is again something that didn't expect to happen, but really, really proud to be here
1: and really happy that we are where we are with the program. Well said. Christopher Newport, their nickname is? We're the captains. The captains, the captains get it done. They are your D three national champions on the women's level led by their head coach, Jamie Gunderson. Thanks for being on this championship coaches edition of the United soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap. Appreciate it. Coach Gunderson. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. It was a pleasure. we come back, we'll meet the men and women and AIA coaches from Kaiser Gavin Oldham and from Tennessee Southern will Austin after these messages. Welcome back to our championship coverage on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. One of the great things about United Soccer Coaches is they pay attention to all levels of college soccer, including the NAIA, where when you think about Kaiser, you got to think about the way Matt Dunn. He's won a ton of championships for the women at Kaiser, but guess what? They were knocked out in the Elite Eight. So Gavin Odom in his fifth season coaching the Kaiser men's soccer team, help them bring home their first ever national championship on the men's side. Kaiser knocks off mobile two to zero and Gavin Oldham, their five-year head coach joins me now. Gavin, thanks for being on the United soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap. Hey
8: Dean, no problem. No problem. Glad we could make it happen.
1: Well, it's only been a few days, but when you hear Kaiser men's soccer, NAIA national champions, how's that sound to you?
8: Uh, still sinking in a little bit. If I'm honest with you, obviously it was a, a crazy week, a crazy 10 days, but yeah, it's got a nice ring to it. I like it.
1: Well, one of the things about Kaiser, we know it's located in paradise down there in Florida. Matt Dunn tells us every time when we interview him and obviously he's done a great job. You saw him do it over there with the women. Was that some added juice for you to try to get it done for the men? Probably, you know,
8: like without, Actually going out there and saying they want to do it, I think, uh, you know, seeing the women doing it and seeing them have success, it spurs you on a little bit, just as a human to see the person next to you succeeding and, uh, you know, you want to do well and, Luckily, this, uh, the team put things together and we got it right with the coaching staff and the playing staff and uh, it all clicked at the right time this
1: year. Well, listen, you're better looking than Dunny, but you have the same accent. You're from Manchester. <laughs> Tell us your story. How did you find your way over to the States? Did you play over here? Give us your whole story, coach. Oh, wow, well, yes. Yeah, so... 20, 21, 22 years ago, I came over
8: as a freshman. Went to a school, another NAIA school that has had good success called Lindsay Wilson College. So played there for four years. Was lucky enough to win two national championships there as a player. Then after that, became the assistant coach there at Lindsay Wilson. So I was there for another seven years as the assistant coach and lucky enough to win two more national championships as the assistant. Went on from there to start the program up at University of Northwestern, Ohio, up in Lima. They were starting the soccer program. So um, they reached out and went up there, was up there for six years, had some uh, some pretty good success, took them to the national tournament semifinal and then um, obviously came down to Kaiser five years ago. And, uh, you know, the the last five years have been another fun ride. And, you know, maybe the top of
1: the mountain was last week winning the, the tournament. Indeed. You know, I'm from around Lima, Ohio. Let me just say where Kaiser's located, with all due respect to everybody in Lima, it really is paradise, is it not? It's a whole different world. It is. It's completely different. And I've got a lot of good friends still up in the
8: uh, northwestern Ohio area. But, yeah, they're always teasing me about, I don't know why you left. I can't, you know, I can't understand the move. What are you
1: doing going down there? And uh, But it is a different life. But a lot of good people up there I'm still friends with, for sure. If I remember correctly, Northwestern did win a national championship. It might have been on the men's side as well. Maybe it was the women. I'm not sure. Not that long ago, right? The women's, The women's team won it, yeah.
8: Maybe 2014, 15, somewhere in that. Yeah, I was the men's coach as well. I tease it all the time. I'm like the, the good luck charm for women's soccer whenever you yeah. bring me on because the women's soccer go and uh, get a national tournament. Same thing happened at Lindsay because their women's team won it a couple of times while I was there too, so yeah. Maybe the women's coaches just need to hire me as a men's coach and
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, there's, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Remind me who the coach was on the women's because we had him on the podcast, actually a uh, little guy, yeah, Stuart, Stuart, Stuart Gore, maybe we go. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go. All right. Awesome. Okay. What's been the best part about being at Kaiser now, besides winning this national championship, what do you like about the culture there in the school?
8: Yeah, um, so probably five years ago when I came down and, you know, we spoke about the job, all the pieces were pretty close to being in place. I think we had to switch the culture a little bit. I think there was maybe a culture of let's go to West Palm and, you know, have what West Palm has, you know, the the bright lights and the the nightlife and the beach and all the rest of it uh, and play a little soccer on the side. Um, So for us, that was the the biggest thing we had to change was the culture. The quality of player has always been here, but maybe the focus hasn't always been here. So, for us, it was important to change that. And when I say us, I'm you know, I'm encapsulating the, the, the coaching staff. Sam, Sam McNo's been my trusty assistant for the last six or seven years from up in Ohio. He came down here. We actually played together at Lindsay for three years, so we've known each other for a long time. And a big part of, of what we did here was the culture. The players we felt like was no problem, we could get them. You know, the place kind of recruits itself in essence, but the culture was the huge thing we had to turn around. The school's a go getter school, you know, they, they want to win, they want to be competitive at the national level. But you know, the, the culture was something we felt needed to be adjusted, and uh, thankfully that, that's
1: happened. All right, so walk me through your tournament run. Obviously, there's a lot of games and tight windows, and you might even need to review your notes a little bit uh, because it probably was a blur. But talk about your tournament run, and maybe end with—I uh, know you got a couple of players that are either all-Americans or made the all-tournament team that really did some great things. But tell us who you beat that in your last three or four games.
8: We were ranked pretty high, so we were—we uh, hosted the opening round. We played Florida National here at home, who had actually beat us earlier on in the season at home. So I was. Kind of nervous about that game because they're. I don't even want to call it a banana skin game because they're a good team. And so, I was nervous about that. We uh, we beat them two 0 and then turn around the day after. Oh, sorry, with a day break and played Dalton State, Um who had beat. They beat Tennessee Wesleyan the same day we played the Florida National. We beat, the, beat them three 0 and then you had a week rest, and then you go to the final site. So final site, we played Missouri Valley on the first day, defending national champions, and we beat them 3-1. Get a day break, and then we played the number one team in the nation who were Central Methodist and hadn't lost our year, beat those 4-1. And then into the national final, we played Mobile, who we played, I think that was our fifth time that we played them in the last calendar year. We played them in the last opening round the year before. And they're always a good, good team. We and the, the coach are good friends. We're both from Manchester, so it was kind of, we were joking around about, you know, who was going to take it because I'm a United fan. He's a Man City fan, so there's a little rivalry between us anyway. And, yeah, managed to, to take care of
1: business 2-0 in the final. And, um, yeah, great experience, of course. Two second-half goals, and talk about some of the players that have received some national acclaim uh, during the season and after the season. A couple second-half goals One
8: from an Italian by the name of Luca Malvicini, he opened the scoring, I think it was just in the start of the second half, maybe 50th, 55th minute, somewhere in there, and then the uh, the dagger was like in the 88th, 89th minute, right at the end, they were pushing to try and equalise, We, you know, we got one uh, from a Swedish striker by the name of Elias Jazim. As far as tournament, yeah, we had three or four guys, off the top of my head that were all tournament, Cristobal Molina, who was national tournament MVP, he was an All-American, um, had a great season. He's done really well for us. He's been here four years. It's been fun to watch him grow. You know, came in as an 18, 19-year-old who knew everything. Uh, didn't want to be told what to do. He was a central midfielder, and you know, we kind of had to mold him a little bit. We converted him into a centre-back last year. Had a great year last year. Had a really good summer with his summer team, and came back and you know finished his uh, career here on a high as obviously a national tournament winner, MVP, first-team All-American. Lucas Jacobs had a good good year for us. He's, uh, I think, a two-time first-team All-American already. So he picked up another first-team All-American award. And then we call him Nano. His name is Alejandro Valera. He picked up our tournament honors and also second-team All-American award too. So good group of guys, good group of guys that have been with the, the program two, three, four years, and, uh, you know, we'll get a couple of them back next year. So it's, you know... It's positive
1: say one of the great things as well coach is i understand you also had your family there we like names on this show so tell us about your family there celebrating that national championship
8: yes yeah, so wife for 15 and a half 16 years so uh yeah she was there the three kids were there jace who's our oldest and we've got twin daughters ella and isla they were, they were all there at the national tournament all run on the field at the end and able to give them a big hug after the tournament and uh yeah, it was special. That was a special, a special moment for sure.
1: All right. And special enough to maybe also tell us your wife's name or not that special. Uh, did I miss that? Sorry, honey. <laughs> Her name is Danielle. Yellow. Uh, all right. Perfect. I love it. Way to have a sense of humor with it as well. We're here with Gavin Odom, who's the head coach of the Kaiser men's soccer team. After seeing the women win several national championships over the last several years, it's the men's turn down in Kaiser to get their first national championship. Probably the first of many. As you heard Gavin Odom say, he won two titles at Lindsey Wilson as a player, two titles as a coach and now he's the top man for Kaiser and they get the championship H- how do you rank them i mean is this number 1 or was it pretty cool <laughs> win him as a player i mean it, can you put this in perspective for me
8: uh yeah a couple of people have asked me that actually um it's tough it's tough it's a completely different feeling you know when you win it as a player I, I think like i feel it's more like individual like you feel like yes i've done it with the champions when you win it as the assistant it's like Ooh, yeah it's great but you're not like the head man, you're not the big cheese. And then when you win it as the head coach, it's more of a we've done it. It's more of a, a group, more of a collective, more of a I know what it took to get here uh, and do this. Um, so all great feelings, completely different by themselves. But uh, I'm not happy with five. I'm, you know, I need a little more. So... <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that. You got to have that attitude. That's why we do what we do, right? Absolutely. And you already mentioned one of your coaches, but because you were an assistant coach, I don't know. Maybe you only have one, but I want to make sure we get the names on the air here for your assistant coaches, because usually head coaches say they can't do it without their assistant coaches.
8: Yeah, no, for sure. Sam, no, um, he played. Like I said, we played together back in I don't know the dark ages um, <laughs> <laughs> at, at Lindsay uh, for three years. He won three national tournaments himself while he was there, so obviously a good player. He went back to England, played a little bit, coached a little bit in England, and then you know reached out when I was in Ohio and said, why don't you come over and uh, you know, get on the, the coaching ladder over here? So he's been with me now for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years maybe as uh, as an assistant. And then we have two GAs who are both uh, ex-players here at, at Kaiser, and one called Evan Finnegan, who was the captain here, and he is the... He's the life. I mean, you know, when he's in the building or whenever he's on the field, because he's uh, he's loud, he's in your face, he's fun. I mean, he's he's a good guy to have around. And then the goalkeeping coach is an ex-player, also Spanish guy, Ramon Talenti, who was here was a big part of the program um, during his time here. So between the four of us, yeah, we we wrestle the guys, and you know, we're trying to mold them into what we want. And you know, I probably I probably know 60% of what goes on. The the GAs know probably. 85% and Sam knows like 99% of the stuff that really goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so well said. I love that. All right, well, this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Have you been able to use the United Soccer Coaches at all or attend a convention or be aware of what they do to uh, help uh, coaches learn more?
8: Yeah, yeah. So I've been to a bunch of the coaching courses, Been to the convention, I don't know, 20 times or something like that. So uh, it's Kansas City, I believe.
6: Uh, yeah, you going?
8: Yeah, think I'm gonna be there. I know it's gonna be a little cooler than West Palm, <laughs> so I'll, I'll bring the big jacket along. But looking forward to it. It's good. It's good to go there and catch up with you know familiar friends and faces that you see maybe once a year. That's the only time of the year that you see them. It's good to catch up and you know chat about old times and
1: uh, reminisce. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Gavin Oldham, the head coach of the Kaiser men's soccer team. I'm okay uh, if you go ahead and mention the Dunny that I called you better looking, by the way. You can go ahead and throw that shade at him, and uh, hopefully we'll see both of you at the convention. Thanks so much for being on this championship edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, because you, in fact, Gavin Odom, are a national champion head coach for the NAIA men at Kaiser University. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Thank you, Dean. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot. We're now joined by the UT Southern Firehawks women's head coach at the NAIA level as they take home the NAIA Women's National Championship. His name is Will Austin. Just wrapping up his sixth season. Incredible success there. Will Austin, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast.
9: Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, and it's got to be a pleasure to hear UT Southern Firehawks, the NAIA women's soccer champions. How's that sound?
9: Yeah, it still hasn't sunk in yet. To be honest, seven days later, I'm still trying to still trying to process. <laughs> just want to say, I mean, we're just we're just so proud of the players. They've been through a lot in the last uh, year and a half with the COVID restrictions and uh, our school actually changed. We got bought by the University of Tennessee uh, back in July. We used to be Martin Methodist College, so. Uh, the players have been through a lot and I uh, just want to express how proud of them I am that they've managed to do this in such a difficult year.
1: That's so well said. Will Austin, the head coach of UT Southern Firehawks, the women's soccer team that just won the NAIA title. And you talk about your players. I was looking through, I mean, I think you had the leading score in the NAIA. You had a pretty good goalkeeper. I know you can't list all the players, but at least mentioned uh, some of your, you know, all American level players.
9: Yeah, um, between between the United Soccer Coaches and the NEI, we, we had nine All-Americans. Uh, so we were uh, honoured to get that many awards. Um, the players deserved them. The, we, we got pretty fortunate with the fifth year of eligibility. We returned three fifth-year seniors, and I think that experience was key for us. We had the leading scorer, freshman, Kato Uh First time in my career I've ever had a freshman the country in goals, which was incredible. We had the, the National Player of the Year, uh, Yuki Watari, centre mid. Then we had uh, one of our other Americans, uh, Suzuho Yamasaki, another team of Japan. Uh, they were they were excellent strikers from Cameroon. We had Estelle uh, and Adisa Amang, who are both uh, all-Americans also. Uh, scored a scored a ton of goals, um, and then our goalkeeper fairy tale ending for her. She's been an All-American two times, and then her last touch of the ball in a college game, she uh, saved the winning penalty in the in the PK shootout. So that script couldn't have been written any better for her for sure.
1: I want to hear about your script. I see to hear that you played at Limestone College for two years before going on to be an all-region center back at Southern Wesleyan University, and then you graduated magna cum laude from Central Michigan. I'm from Ohio originally. I like that, tie. I also see that you're licensed through United Soccer Coaches. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast, also U.S. soccer and the Scottish FA. So by way of Scotland, what made you decide to come over to the U.S. to play collegiately, and what has kept you here, Coach?
9: I played in some – academies or some professional teams back in Scotland till from all the way from age 12 to 17 was a decent player but uh, I was never gonna make money at the highest level so I saw an ad in the newspaper come play uh, college soccer in America and that was the best decision I ever made. Went there, got my bachelor's. I got a master's at Central Michigan. Was lucky enough to be a part of a really successful coaching staff there. We made the D1 national tournament, uh, won the MAC conference. And then from there, I uh, came down here. One of my uh, former college teammates, uh, Tyson John, hired me here to be his assistant. And then when he moved on, uh, I took over the head coaching job here. Six years ago, um, I was fortunate enough where the, the college here sponsored my work visa uh, to keep me in the country. And uh, yeah, just uh, just love coaching soccer. It's uh, I got done playing and didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it felt like uh, I wouldn't have to work a day in my life if I got to coach. And it's uh, it's been that way ever since. So I'm definitely uh, very blessed and fortunate to have had a lot of, lot of great mentors and a lot of people help me along the way.
1: Let's hear about those mentors. We're about mentors on this program. United Soccer Coaches, I think, is really good about mentors as well. Who are two or three people that played a big role in your development as a coach?
9: For sure, Jerry Cleary. Here, he won the he won three national championships here at Martin Methodist College before I arrived. He's he's been a big mentor. He he set the program here. He he established the program. Uh, we've been to eighteen national tournaments in a row. Uh, so I was I was very lucky to take over a, a highly successful program. And then Tyson John, Coach Tyson John, took over after him, and he's the one that hired me. He, he was very influential in my success as well. A couple of the old-school NEI guys that that really helped me out a lot, uh, some national champions, uh, Drew Burwash from Lindsay Wilson College, uh, Danny Owens from William Carey University, and Matt Dunn from Kaiser University. Those three, I, I talk to them on a daily basis. Um, we actually have a group chat, and uh, they've, been, they've been giving me some stick for a – for a couple of years now, I'm the only one that uh, hasn't won one in the group chat. Mm-hmm. So delighted to finally get the star, so I can be allowed to continue to talk to them um, mm-hmm. in future. But they've been uh, they've been just huge, just with uh, sharing experience and uh, experience of winning national championships and a lot of days where where I doubt things or I'm not sure what way to go about it. Just to be able to run it, run things past them as as national champions as. It's huge for me.
1: What a brilliant story. I, I recognize all those names. Of course, we've interviewed Dunny a ton of times because yep. we always interview the national championship coaches. Yep. So now you got to tell Dunny, say, hey, sorry, bud. I bumped you out. I did the interview with United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Yep. I hope you'll do that for sure. It's funny too, but because- he'll tell me,
9: he'll tell me he's got two and I've got one. So I've still got to get <laughs> one more.
1: hey you never know what could happen next year so i know it used to be called martin methodist but paint the picture for me of ut southern where where is it located what makes it so special
9: we're about an hour south of nashville tennessee and we've been martin methodist college for 150 years um we, we got acquired this year by university of tennessee so we're now the fourth uh university of tennessee campus so going from a private school to a state school has been uh been a lot of transition off the field this year um, along with all the COVID stuff so th- this year has been uh, been pretty stressful but we're excited for the future, um, the fact that we get to, we, we've always had a really strong soccer program, now we get to offer a University of Tennessee degree so um, we're pretty excited about that moving forward and uh, it's uh, it, it cut the uh, the price of school in half as well, which also always helps for recruiting for sure.
1: Yeah, we're here with the NAI women's national champion head coach, Will Austin. And Will, I actually, ironically, I've just spent a lot of time in Tennessee. My wife's family has family in Franklin, and then they have family in McMinnville. And then I was just in Knoxville for the high school All-America game. And let me just say, Tennessee rocks. I really like that state. And I was just in a small part of it. But I got to believe you like Tennessee as much as me. It's a pretty cool state.
9: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely a really cool place. And uh, the, the cool thing about our roster is we have we have five really high level internationals. We have three Japanese and, and two from Cameroon, but 60 percent of our roster is uh, Tennessee, Tennessee players. So the level of soccer here is, is very high and we're very proud of the fact that um, that such a high percentage of our roster is, is Tennessee kids and, and we want to keep it that way. With, with the team move, hopefully that'll, be, uh, that'll help us even more.
1: Finally, I already mentioned that you've had some of your education through United Soccer Coaches. This is indeed the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What has the association meant to you and your development?
9: Yeah, it's been great. Really enjoyed the licenses. I did the uh, advanced national last uh, January in Fort Lauderdale. Had a great time. Planning on taking the premiere soon, and it's uh, it's it's been a great way to learn and in, uh, in a in a low pressure environment. It's uh, it seems like it's a lot more collaboration, and they they. Really listen to what you have to say and your opinions, which is which is great. And uh, just being able to meet such a wide cross-section of coaches from professional college, high school club, and, and the fact that they do the, the Premier, the Advanced, and the National all together. Everyone's at the same hotel. They've been some great learning experiences for me doing, doing the National and the Advanced National. Really looking forward to doing the Premier. Uh, whenever whenever I can get around to doing that hopefully in the next year or so
1: oftentimes if you win the national championship sometimes you also win the coach of the year I know the NAIA does their own thing but United Soccer Coaches does recognize the NAIA coach of the year that means I hope I might see you in Kansas City do you plan to be at the convention
9: I plan on being there yes sir
1: all right Will Austin you'll be there and everybody will want to talk hopefully, to
9: hopefully hopefully be lucky enough to win that award
1: Yeah, and if you would do, then I'll be up on that stage, and I look forward to shaking your hand up there as well, or fist pump, whatever's COVID-friendly. You know, we got to do it the the right way. But uh, (laughs) congratulations, Will, on winning that national championship. Here's to getting one more so you can call Dunny and say, hey, I I got two as well.
9: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate your time.
1: We've talked to seven college championship coaches. We'll probably have a few more on next week. We have to spend time with another 30 under 30 member before we close the show. And we do that with Wingate and US Youth National Team staff coach Sam Raper on the bounce.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job?
1: Welcome back to the special championship edition of United Soccer Coaches podcast where we are talking to several of the head coaches for the national championship teams at all level, NAIA, D3, D1, you name it, we cover it. And we also are proud to cover each and every week one of our great members of the 30 under 30 class. No difference today as we're joined by Sam Raper, who's been an assistant coach at Wingate for five or six years now. And Sam Raper is kind enough to join us as part of this great 30 under 30 class. Sam, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
10: Hey, Dean. Yeah, thank you very much for for having me on for this episode.
1: Well, we're glad to have you. And by the way, speaking of national champions, I know that I had Coach Hamill on not too long ago because you guys just won a national championship. I can't remember which
10: year it is. Maybe you can help me fill in the blank. 2016. So, yeah, obviously – Real great run from from Coach Hamill and the, the staff here. Um, unfortunately, I, I wasn't part of that coaching staff. I got here just after. But yeah, tr- tremendous for the program and uh, something that we're hoping to repeat in the, the coming years. And Coach Hamill, he's still the head coach there? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, I think this was his 29th year. So he's going into his 30th year next year. He's still got the hunger to, to try and chase another one.
1: All right. I love hearing about the journey of all of our 30 under 30 members. I know you're from York, England. Talk about your path from England, what you did there when you decided to come to the United States. Did you play over here and what you did before you came to Wingate? And please don't be humble. We like to hear your story on how you got to where you are.
10: Kind of very fortunate. Um, I was kind of coaching with a, a few different uh, kind of amateur clubs in England, um, just working my way through kind of the, the pathway. I studied uh, my undergraduate in England as well and then got an opportunity with a, a League One club, um, or, or they were League One at the time, um, was with them for for a couple of years and then got some some opportunities to, to come over to the US and say that's kind of when I, I jumped across. Didn't really know much about the the college game or even the, the professional game over here. But got a, a chance with a, a youth club in South Carolina. Worked with them for a year before I met kind of Coach Hamill and the staff up here at Wingate, and then that's when I transitioned into the the college game. And like say five or six years, that was say we, we've kind of got the project uh, of trying to build another national championship team on the the men's side. Um, I have worked on both the men's and the women's sides here, and again very fortunate with the the women in. 2019 when we made the the Sweet 16 uh, at the same time, I was with the men and we made the Elite Eight and then obviously trying to continue that just on the men's side. Um, and then in the last few months, actually um, now work for the, the US Women's Youth National Team as well. So I'm, I'm involved with a lot of their camps um, and obviously kind of all of my roles specializing with the goalkeepers, um, as well as being kind of the assistant coach um, or second assistant with the programs and then um, doing all the goalkeeping bits and and everything that that incorporates.
1: That's a great
10: storyline. So tell us
1: how, how you're able to work your way into U.S. soccer and be a part of their staff. That's pretty exciting, coach.
10: Yeah definitely Um, and say something that I I didn't actually expect Um, certainly not at kind of this stage Um, obviously representing a country and and coaching at that level is always something that you aspire to do Um, and say already getting it at 28 years old it it was kind of a a real big achievement say luckily the, the, the women's uh, goalkeeper coach uh Philip Paul, he um he'd heard and, and seen some of the stuff I was doing. And then they reached out and asked me to, to be a part of it. So we've had a couple of camps already post-COVID and say so just a, a tremendous experience. Very grateful that I get the chance to to obviously coach collegiately and then be given the opportunity to to go off and do those camps at the same time. The learning opportunities that I get to do are, are tremendous. The the coaches, the experience you're around, um, obviously from a, a personal development standpoint, are huge. Um, but then the, the level of the players and being able to to help develop them and, and move them on to the next levels is, is brilliant as well. Um, obviously, gives you a chance to work with some of the youth players, but then I get the the college players here um, and say a few different aims and objectives for each of the, the different groups, but um, it certainly keeps me on my toes and, and challenges me to, to make sure I can develop them at different ages and stages.
1: That is flat out awesome. And it's also, I think, as you know, it's pretty awesome to be selected to this 30 under 30 class. Jeff Van Dusen, who's going to be the new CEO for United Soccer Coaches, was telling me the other day that they get usually 500 applicants for this 30 under 30 program. And he's actually going to even kickstart the 30 under 30 program when he takes over in January. So you'll be excited about hearing from him and what they have planned for your group and, and future groups. What did it mean to be a part of this elite level class, this 30 under 30 for United soccer coaches.
10: Again, very humbling. Um, obviously, it's something that, that I kind of read about and seen um, with being in the college game. You kind of get some of the emails and stuff about it and just kind of looked into it a little bit more and thought, well, you know, throw a name in the hat, see, see what the thought is. Um, obviously, get a chance to be mentored by someone, um, share ideas with, with like-minded people who are maybe in the same situation as me, um, maybe help some of them as well if they're in different environments um and again just like the the soccer world is it's all about networking um growing relationships with other coaches sharing ideas um to to obviously make sure that we we help develop the the next kind of generation of players um and it's certainly something that as much as I thought about how it would help me it's also a case of trying to share some knowledge and and pass things on to to other people um who maybe don't have the resources that, that I'm available to um again I've feel very fortunate with the setup that I have at Wingate um, that, that's provided obviously the, the experience with the, the youth national teams now um, and there's obviously people who are around the same age who maybe have aspirations of, of trying to get there as well and I can hopefully give them a bit of an insight and maybe help push them to to how to achieve it as well. Um, Again, I've had a very fortunate journey, a bit different to a lot of people over here. Uh, Most people obviously play and then move into coaching, um, but I've kind of had the experience of of studying elsewhere, being used to a a different game, different academy settings with the youth players, um, and then coming over here and getting to experience that as well.
1: I remember Coach Hamill painting a great picture of Wingate, but because it's been quite some time, can you tell everybody what makes it a special university, please? Just
10: the community feel. Um, We we are a small school, I think 2,600 undergraduate students. Um, The the town of Wingate kind of doubles in size because of the university. Um, And the the pillars that it kind of focuses on, um, the the biggest one is the community giving back to to the the area around. Um, We have, I think, 26, 27 sports programmes here. Um, So the, the student body is a lot of student athletes um, and, and everyone just supports each other. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of kind of where I came from back in England, um, just a, a small town on the outskirts. Um, and, yeah, the, the opportunity to just be around different people. Um, we, we've got people from all over the US. We've got a lot of international students across a lot of the different sports. It's kind of picturesque type place in, in the countryside in North Carolina um, and just great people, a lot of people have been here for many years. Obviously just like Coach Hamill, you kind of get here and you 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 just get stuck. Um and, and not in a bad way. It's just a tremendous place to be. We're given a lot of opportunities to learn and develop. Um and we we make a big impact into the community as well.
1: You mentioned mentors. You will get a mentor as part of this 30 under 30 program, but even at a young age, you've had some incredible people help you along the way. We like to name drop here. Who are two or three people that have really helped you develop into a great coach?
10: Yeah, well, I mean, Coach Hamill is obviously definitely the first one with it. Um, I think everyone who kind of knows Coach as well, it's um, he's always there to help the the people who is around the players, the coaching staff. Um, even if you're you're not directly within the the soccer program here, um, he's always happy to help and and giving you the opportunity to learn. Um, and, and that's definitely one of the. The biggest ones. I mean, I think the, the only reason I'm still here in the US is because of Coach Hamill giving me the opportunities. And kind of most of my life is now surrounded around Wingate. Um again, my, my wife's from uh studied at Wingate um and now works here for a number of years. So everything is kind of worked out because of being given the opportunity here. So um, Coach Hamill, definitely the, the biggest mentor with with that element. In terms of coaching specifically, I was very fortunate to do my UEFA B under the guidance of Eric Steele. Um, and he kind of guided me through the assessment of the, the UEFA B goalkeeping. Um, and again, a lot of kind of feedback and information. Um, and while he Again, only a a small amount of time spent speaking with him. Um, It was a a tremendous learning opportunity. I mean, his experience in the goalkeeping world um, is kind of second to to not many people. Um, And again, the the information I gained from him, um, he he guided me a lot in the the coaching goalkeepers area. Um, So I think those two are certainly the the two biggest that, that I'd like to mention. Awesome.
1: As we get ready to close out here I often ask the crystal ball question and perhaps your wife's ties to Wingate means that's the answer but I usually say hey what do you want to be doing 10 years from now sometimes it's easy for people to think about that sometimes it's a little bit tougher but obviously you're loving it there at Wingate but do you have a 10 year from now plan.
10: Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is, obviously, first of all, I want to get that national championship with the the Wingate squad. Um, Obviously, that's kind of been our goal for the last few years and and something we want to try and achieve. But at the same time, I think um, everyone here knows my aspirations as a coach as, as high as possible. Um, again I've I've got a lot of opportunities already um, at such a young age so you you never really know what's going to happen and what jobs might become available but uh, the biggest thing is obviously just keep your head down, work hard Um, we keep developing players and moving them to the next level, if that it's a professional job that comes out of it. Great, I'd love to move into the professional game. I get the, the fortunate position of coaching both men and women at the moment. So again, I, there's kind of both roads that could open up. But at the moment, I I love what I do. Um, and it's just a case of seeing what comes becomes available. And is it the right time? Is it the right opportunity? You can never say never because you you just don't quite know what's going to work out. But um, again, very fortunate. I'm in a position with a lot of people who can help guide me and give me some good advice um, and say, you never know, but certainly that professional route is kind of in the forefront of my mind right now.
1: Sam, I've really enjoyed this interview. I love your answers. I love your path. I love the fact that U.S. soccer is paying attention. Obviously, Coach Hamill is a big personality, so I love all those ties. The other thing I like to do on this show, and I usually giggle when I do it, but I also like to make it about me, Sam. And one of the things that we talked about earlier is my son went to school with one of your players. I need you to say his name and tell me how he did because, again, that's you got to make it about me somewhere in there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>
10: yeah we yeah we had uh, jackson hollenbach here um and again absolute great kid from from rally that made a, a massive impact on and off the field for us and again he 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 got a lot of playing time this last season um and again he 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 made a real big impact on on the field off the field um and we we were truly honored and humbled to have him as a part of our squad as well uh for the last 3 years There you go. We just picked up the Cardinal Gibbons Mafia to listen to this podcast by dropping that in
1: there as well as my son went to Cardinal Gibbons with Jackson. They started at South Carolina together. And uh, I know he was pumped when uh, he heard Jackson was going to Wingate because he went down to South Carolina and said, hey, I want to play soccer. And Wingate gave him the opportunity. Sam, you got a bright future ahead of you. Really enjoyed this. Congratulations on being a member of the 30 under 30. I am sorry. We'll miss you in Kansas City, but I love what you're doing for U.S. soccer. Keep it going, my man. Give Coach Hamill my best as well. I
10: will do. Thank you very much for
1: having me on. Okay. I want to thank all of our championship head coaches from Florida state women, Mark Rikorian from the division two men, Cal state LA, Chris Shamities, Division II women, Grand Valley State, Jim Conlin Division Three men, Connecticut College, Reuben Burke. Division Three women, Christopher Newport, Jamie Gunderson from NAIA men, and Kaiser, Gavin Oldham from NAIA women, Tennessee Southern, Will Austin, and our 30 Under 30 member, Sam Raper. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin and Erica Dyer for all their great work, Sean Chevro, and, of course, our producer, Colin Thrash, and the great Jeff Van Dusen and everybody at United Soccer Coaches. For all of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.